birth of Christ.
At that time, Emperor Augustus ordered a census to be taken throughout the Roman Empire. in the town of Galilee to the town of Bethlehem in Judah, the birthplace of King David. Joseph went there because he went to register with Mary, his promised in marriage with him to she was with child. And then 
While they were in Bethlehem, the time came for her to have her baby. She gave birth to her son, wrapped him in cloths, and laid him in a manger. There was no room for them to stay in the inn. There was some shepherds in that part of the country who were spending the night in the fields taking care of their flocks. Therefore the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of their sh shame over them. They were ter terribly afraid, but the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I am here with good news for you, which will bring great joy to all the people. This very day, in David's town, your Savior was born. Christ the Lord. Suddenly a great army of heaven's angels appeared with the angels singing praises to, the God, praises to God, glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom he is pleased.
Soon afterward, some men who studied the stars came from the east to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the baby born to be the king of the Jews? We saw his star when it came up in the east, and we have come to worship it. And so they, so they left on their way. They saw this. They they saw the same star they had seen in the east. When they saw it, how happy they were! That the joy was theirs. It was. It went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the child with Mary, 
his mother Mary, they knelt down and worshipped him. They brought out their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh and presented them to him. country by another road. Christmas Praise the Lord. Did you enjoy that? Man, I tell you, that was very, very good. Thank you, Sandra and Bianca. Wow, really enjoyed it. I think the youth are going up, and they're going to be uh, uh, having their service up there and doing some things. And uh, Brother Terry, he teaches our adult uh, discipleship class on Wednesday nights, and he has uh, put together something tonight for us. Uh, he's been teaching a series on living, or no, not living, but walking in the blessed life. How many are walking in the blessed life? Amen. And so we're going to uh, just uh, allow him to come. I think he's got some some uh, whiteboard stuff, right? Yes. Going to be teaching. Yes, I sure will. You bet. God bless you. Get you set up here. All right. Wow, I didn't expect to have a crowd here tonight. It's awesome. How many of you say that you are walking in the blessed life? And, you know, one of the things we learned, uh, we've been on this for about 
four lessons now for almost a month. And uh, can you get that black one out for me when you get a chance, Pastor? We learned the difference between the blessing. The, well, the blessing's always been the same. The blessing of God is prosperity and and a hedge of protection, provision. You know, our Heavenly Father wants to provide for us. Jesus put it this way. If we seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness, then all the other stuff he'll make sure is added to us. But if we make it a priority to seek him first, we don't need to worry about all the other stuff. It's one of the problems, though, with the church today is we do get caught up, and we worry about how we're going to make ends meet. We worry... And, and this is always usually due to making a lot of bad decisions, <laughs> wrong decisions. But God wants the blessed life for us all. Now, uh, the, so the blessing's been the same. The curse has been the same. Uh, as soon as man fell, the curse came on the world, and it hasn't changed. So what we learned is that in the Old Testament, if you wanted to walk in the blessing, you had to obey the law. And, uh, you know, when you sinned in the Old Testament, there was always that Old Testament sacrifice, a blood sacrifice had to be made. Aren't you glad we're not living in a time where we have to slaughter a lamb or something if we miss it? I don't know about you. I don't think I could do that. I mean, golly, how do you do that? When I think about these Old Testament people. But what we learned is in the New Testament way to walk in the blessings by faith. Faith in Jesus Christ. And what I wanted to emphasize, and we talked about this in weeks past, is faith in no way nullifies obedience, though. Just because we have faith in Jesus and what he did for us doesn't mean we just disregard the law. We want to keep the law as well, but we don't do it in a rigid, legalistic way, and we don't look down our nose at others who miss it. We don't point fingers at each other because we're all in the same boat, right? You know, that's why we don't judge one another, because uh, you've missed it, I've missed it. The Bible tells us even in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, that if you just miss one point of the law, you've broken the whole law. If you just look at a woman to lust after her in your heart, you're you're guilty of adultery. It's so... Really, in the New Covenant, it's even a stricter law in that sense because it's about the heart. It's about the inward man. It's not about observing rules and regulations. It's about meeting Jesus Christ, realizing that he's real, and having a spiritual awakening change in here. A new birth is what it's called in the Bible. And Jesus said, if you haven't been born again, guess what? You can't see or understand the things of the kingdom of God. They're going to sound foolish to you. It's, going to, it's, it's not going to match up. It's, ah, oh, that stuff. No, no. no, you have to be born again. Then you can begin to understand how to walk spiritually, to live and walk in the blessing. Now, what I wanted to kind of show you tonight, just to give you a, a sometimes it helps, it helps me because I'm a visual person. But, uh, you know, uh, this is, and one of the first, when we started this study, we started in the Old Covenant. And we started studying in, in uh, Deuteronomy. And uh, I'm going to put that PL there, promised land, Canaan. But uh, the Bible tells us, Paul even in the New Testament tells us to look, let's look back at the, 
the, the children of Israel coming out of slavery, if we'll do that, we can learn there are types and shadows, there are examples for us today in the new covenant. And so what happened was God brought the children of Israel out of slavery, out of Egypt, was a type of the world of, of being, uh, let's say, unregenerate. The natural man, he receives not the things of God. He hasn't been born again. He's of the world. Uh, he's a soulish man. You know, a lot of Christians miss it with the soul things. The Greek word suke, where we get our word for psyche, the human psyche, is our mind, will, and emotions. But walking according to even our soul is not it's not putting us walking in the spirit. The spirit, man, we're a triune being. We're made in the image of God who is a triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? And, and so we are a spirit. We've been given a soul. That's your personal identity, your uniqueness. What makes you unique from everyone else is your soul. And uh, we live in a body. So uh, in... in if we're walking according to the senses, we're carnal. How many of you heard the term carnal Christian? You know, we like to throw that term around like, well, it's okay. Even though 80% of the church is probably carnal Christians, eh, it's just a fact of life. But it's not the place we want to be. We don't want to walk according to the senses. We walk in the spirit And we are plugged completely into God and his living word that dwells in us, that gave us the new birth. And it doesn't matter what things look like on the outside. What matters is the promise that he gave us. Now, you know, here's another way, and I'm going to put born again over here. These are the born again believers. Walking in the spirit. Here's walking in the flesh. Egypt, the type of the world, the, the Canaan, the promised land, is not. Here's another thing where we miss it. Because a lot of Christians understand types and shadows. The Bible, how many of you know, is a spiritual book? Because it's written by a spirit. You cannot read the Bible with a natural mind and really get everything that God intends. Fortunately, you can. We've, we talked about this in previous lessons on Wednesday nights about various layers of Scripture. Now, the literal layer is there for us to take the Bible literally is for the unregenerate guy so he can read it and understand he's lost and needs Jesus. But there's several deeper layers that go below that for different levels of Christians. We're not going to get into that. But we have to read the Bible in the spirit if we want to understand the things that God is saying to us. So... uh, Let's just take, for instance, well, now let's do some other things here. Now, when the children of Israel came out of slavery, God brought them out of slavery and brought them through the Red Sea. This is a type of water baptism or uh, baptism unto repentance. And when we, we, we get saved, we, that's why we get baptized to make this declaration. We believe now in Jesus Christ. He's washed me of my sins. You know, he said, when I bring you through here, the Egyptians, the things of the world, the people of the world, you won't ever have to worry about them again. Never again. They're gone. 
Remember, they went trying to chase him after going through all this stuff, and, and, and they had him backed up against the Red Sea. It didn't look like there was anywhere to go. But God parted the sea and said, Get moving, Moses. Take the people through the Red Sea. They went through, and then the Egyptian armies went chasing them. You remember that. And what happened to them? The waters covered them up. And so never again do we have to worry. When we get born again, we don't ever have to worry about uh, being lost and dying and going to a place called hell, which is eternal separation from God, eternal darkness, a place of torments. We need to understand that. So a lot of people today, our world has gotten so detached from the Bible, so detached from Christianity, there seems to be a whole cabal of people that think hell is going to be some kind of a celebratory place where we can do anything we want to. No, it's Jesus specifically said it's a place of torments. There will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth. You're going you're gonna to understand that you had every chance in the world to turn to Jesus, but you just you refused to take the free gift that God gave to you. You were too consumed with self. You were too wrapped up in suke to humble yourself and understand we've all missed it. You know, there's been a lot of beautiful little children here today. How many of you can understand you don't have to teach that little kid how to lie? It, we're born into sin. You don't have to teach children how to do wrong. As soon as they can start talking, they'll cover their hide with a lie. Because we're all born that way. And so it's just impossible because the standard to get into heaven is perfection. Is there anybody in here perfect? No. But Jesus was. So Jesus, who is God, became flesh, dwelt among us, Hallelujah, this is the good news. God himself came, took on flesh, took your punishment after living a perfect life who didn't deserve to be punished, but took your and my punishment, buried it, nailed it to the cross, buried it, and was resurrected. And so now we who believe in him walk in that resurrection life. But... And that's why we get baptized. We go through the Red Sea. Now we're born again. Here's the problem. Between the promised land and the world is a great wilderness. This is a place of testing and trials. This is a place of just enough. I, I, how many of you feel like sometimes I'm just treading water and it's right up here at my nose and I, one problem after another and one bill after another and you're in the wilderness, man. God, Now, we all got to go here because there's no way to get here without going through here. And so when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, they came out of slavery, went through the Red Sea... All of a sudden, things don't look quite like what they pictured a blessing to look like. There's no food in the wilderness. There's no water for them to drink. And when they did come up on the water, it was bitter, poison water. And they begin to complain and curse God, and they begin to crave. Well, at least back when we were slaves here in the world, we had food. 
at least we had the melons and the leeks and they'd throw us some crumbs every now and then. <laughs> How quickly we forget what it was like to be in bondage. But see, and so we go through these tests and these trials, these tribulations in this wilderness here, and that's what's going on. You're being tested. Are you going to complain? You know, we went through two weeks ago the story of Job, and I would suggest listening to that podcast. It was a great teaching on the book of Job. But Job said something. You know, when his wife, remember his wife, they lost their children, lost all his prosperity, lost everything, literally everything. And his, his wife, what would she say? Are you holding on to your integrity after all this? Why don't you just curse God and die? Well, I'm glad my wife's not like that. I think I'd have been asking for a divorce. Curse God and die? Are you serious? But Job was under horrible test at that time. And the Bible says at that time, with all that he went through, he didn't curse God. He didn't sin in all that he said and all that he was thinking. He was still an upright man. He said, I'll tell you what, even though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Have we reached that place? And he said something to her that stuck with me when I, I was teaching that lesson. He said, are we to, when she said, curse God and die, he goes, well, are we supposed to just take the good stuff from God and then when adversity gets here, moan and groan and curse God? No, we take the good and the bad together and we keep our integrity. We watch what's coming out of here because what's coming out of here is going to determine how long you stay here. James put it this way. He said, beloved, with the mouth, out of the same mouth comes, we bless the Lord and we curse. Beloved, this ought not to be so. We, we, we curse our children. We, we curse people out in the land that Jesus died for. Yeah, you'll never amount to anything. I, these, these tyrants ruling over us, I, I've got to be careful of that. All that is going on politically has is, is grieved my spirit. Well, I've had to just cry out before God, forgive me. Jesus died for these evil people. Forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. I really honestly believe that. Some of them do. And me and Pam were talking about this the other I, I, I was saying how, you know, it's so hard because on one hand, Jesus says, pray for your enemies. Pray for them who persecute you and and despitefully use you. But then on the other hand, he said, don't cast your pearls before swine. Don't even bother. And she said something, and it hit me. As it was coming out of my mouth, it hit me too. She goes, yeah, but there's a big difference between praying for somebody and witnessing the gospel of Jesus Christ to that person. See, some of these people will never receive the gospel, and, and the Spirit of God will never move on you to share the gospel with them because they're not going to accept it, but we can still pray for them. And in so doing, Paul said in the book of Romans, in so doing, it's like heaping hot coals over their head. (laughs) Wow, that's spiritual warfare right there. But anyway, this is a place of great tests and trials. It's a place of just enough. You just never seen. Remember, it was manna. They would eat manna that would rain out of the sky, right? They, they, God, they, they never got anything new, but he made sure the sandals on their feet didn't wear out. Their clothes didn't wear thin. 
They weren't threadbare after 40 years of woman, but it was just enough. That's not the blessing. That's, and, the, you know, God doesn't expect us to stay in the testing for 40 years. Unfortunately, a lot of Christians do just that. They claim to be Christians. Oh, I believe in Jesus. And you don't even realize you've been tested over and over and over, and you didn't even realize it. Or you're like the, the, the prophet said, does the clay say to the potter, what are you making? God, what are you doing here? No, you got some more testing that need to pass. You need to learn how to walk with God, how to live a spiritual life and see into the spirit to see beyond suke, beyond what my eyes behold, beyond what my flesh feels. I've got to understand what God says about the situation. That's my reality. That's my reality. That's how, that's how we get healed. So many people in church today, they, they've gone through water baptism, but they don't even believe miracles are for today. They're completely consumed with, if I can't see it, I don't believe it. But the Bible is the opposite of that. You <laughs> believe it first, then you'll see it. That's faith. You'll speak it. God, we serve a God. Paul said we serve a God who calls things that be not as though they already are. And that's what we do. So if I'm looking for healing, I'm speaking that healing, I'm calling for the healing, and I'm speaking I'm already healed because he promised me. One of the things Jesus did, he didn't just die for your sin. Isaiah 53, I can go to five passages. We don't really have time tonight, but there's five big-time passages. If you want to take notes on this, uh, it's in... uh, the, the book of Numbers, remember where they lifted up the serpent on the pole? That's where we get the medical symbol today. That's, that come, The bronze serpents, Moses was instructed because the people of God were in the wilderness, failing every test that came their way, moaning and groaning, complaining against God. And God got so mad, he sent a bunch of serpents into the camp. And thousands of people began to get bitten. And they began to cry out, Moses, Moses, Stand in the gap for us. Cry out to God for us, Moses, please. So Moses cries out to God. God says, okay, take a bronze serpent, put him on a cross, on a pole, lift him up. And anyone who's been bitten by the serpent, if they look at that, they'll be healed. And I'll forgive them of their sin. There's forgiveness of sins and physical healing in the same atonement. From there, we can go to Psalms 103 where it says, uh, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, the Lord who forgiveth all thine iniquities, and who, what? Healeth all thy diseases. There's forgiveness of sins and healing in the same atonement. From there we can go to Isaiah 53. Remember he was bruised for our iniquities? That's your sin. His body was battered and beaten for us. It says, our griefs were laid upon him. In the Hebrew, that word for griefs is our sicknesses were laid on him. By whose stripes we are healed. Isaiah, 700 years before the cross, is already saying we're healed by the stripes of Jesus who would go on that cross. That's a prophecy of what would come. Then 1 Peter 2, 24, he says that he quotes Isaiah, but he changes one word. He said, by whose stripes ye 
were healed. Why? Because Peter's looking back at when Jesus was crucified in history. And Isaiah was looking ahead in history when it would happen. But they were both calling it done. Forgiveness of sins and healing there. And James, remember James said the same thing in chapter 5. We said, is any among you sick? Let him call of the elders of the church and let them pray for him. And is he, if he has forgiven, uh, if he has committed any sins, they will be forgiven and the prayer of faith will heal the sick. So there's another instance. So there's five instances of the forgiveness of our sins and physical healing in the same atonement. Jesus didn't just die so that you can have your sins forgiven. He died so that if you would believe in him, you could walk in this place. The promised land, the New Testament promised land, the blessing, the place that has everything. It's not a place of just enough. This is a place of more than enough. This is a place of abundant life, right? So that's what the blessing is. Now, here's the deal. How are we going on time? Anybody getting anything out of this? Okay. Here's another thing we might want to look at. Is that a good river? That's my depiction of the Jordan River there. This is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So we come, here's God's plan, not to stay in this place for 40 years. The Bible specifically tells us from here to the Jordan River is about 11 days journey. And so God doesn't want this big, long delay. He wants us to get born again and begin to understand and learn and grow. Now, I was talking to someone the other day about me and Pam. I think one of our biggest problems, I was talking about how the Lord has dealt with me about spiritual pride for about 20 years. And I, I began to pray about it going through this long humbling process. And I believe he really began to show me that it's because Pam and I, when we got born again and filled with the Holy Spirit, we, we were pastoring a year later. I mean, we were doing youth ministry, and I did Campus Crusade for Christ, traveling prison ministry and stuff. But like a year after that, we were pastoring church. And we, there was people who had been saved for 40, 50 years in the church, had no clue how to get there, didn't feel called to do it or anything. Now, I know everybody's not called to be a pastor, but my point is to get from here to here is not supposed to be a long journey. When we got filled with the Holy Spirit, the Lord began to just flood us with all kinds of things, and that's not just special because we're something special. That's what he wants for everybody. Grace, the gift of grace is free. We serve, listen, We serve a, this is a deep theological term, but I'm just going to put it real simple. We serve a self-revelatory God. In other words, you and I in the flesh, we're dead. We're dead spiritually. Here we're dead spirits. That happened when Adam fell. That's why you have to be born again with the spirit from above. And then, but when that happens, we're made alive now to Christ kind of lost my train of thought there. Uh, 
But, yeah, it's not like it has to be this long process. Once you get born again, once you're filled with the Holy Spirit, he'll flood anybody with revelation. Jesus said in the Beatitudes, Blessed is he who does hunger and thirst after righteousness, for he'll be filled. You know why you're not filled with the living word? You're not hungry. God's not going to force feed. God doesn't force any of this on us. Jesus died a horrible, bloody death for us to give us the whole inheritance. Not some of it. Paul says we're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Sons and daughters of the Most High God who get the same inheritance Jesus did. Only difference is he's God, I'm not. But I got all the stuff. Everything that comes with it. Do I need healing? Son, I'll give it to you. Don't worry about a thing, son, I'll provide for you. And I, and I mean, look, I'm, I'm not trying to say prosperity and all this stuff. I'm not. Prosperity, biblical prosperity is different for everybody. And the, and the fact is, if you won the most, and if we won the lottery, and let's say here recently it was, what, a, a billion dollars or something, it would probably ruin most of us. It probably it wouldn't draw us closer to this place. It would probably draw us back away from God, unless we were very mature spiritually. But huge wealth like that is more than likely going to pull you away from God. So biblical prosperity is not just about money is what I'm trying to say. To walk in biblical prosperity means God's providing for your need. Now, if you're calling, if you're called to build a university and raise up doctors in a Christian environment, and they can graduate with a double degree in medicine and theology, then he's going to bless you with a lot of money to do that. But you'll go through training to get there, I guarantee it. But when he sees like Abraham... Remember, Abraham has offered up his own son. Once he saw Abraham was willing to offer his own son, just like God was, he made sure he was blessed. And he said, the whole world will be blessed because of what you've done here. So, but if you're not called to do that, then your wealth is going to be down here, but God will provide for whatever it is that you need. Healing is just simply one of those things that's a given. It's just a given. Jesus said in Mark 11, uh, or Mark 16, in the Great Commission, he said, those who believe my teachings will do the works that I did. They'll lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. It's just a given. Paul calls it one of the elementary truths and foundational truths of Christianity in Hebrews. We, we think it's some huge, big thing. And I'm, look, I'm not making light of healing, but it's just the norm. For Christians, healing should be the norm. But he wants to get us to this place, another baptism. There's another baptism besides this one we don't have time to get into, but that's the baptism of fire. Remember John the Baptist who was in the wilderness? He was in this place prophesying of Jesus and prophesying of this place, the promised land, not a type of heaven, but a type of right here on earth and every provision being provided for by our Heavenly Father. That's the blessing. That's the blessing. And he, he, he began to say, there's one coming after me. He said, I'm not the Messiah. 
but there's one coming after me whose sandal I'm not even worthy to loose. But he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, remember? And he said fire. Well, fire is all about this. Anytime you see fire in the scriptures, it's talking about purification. And purification in your life and in my life, if you're a believer, comes by way of trials and tribulations, scorching your flesh. It's very uncomfortable, pressing you. I mean, there's all kinds of illustrations. Treading on the grapes, pressing the juice out of the grapes. Anything that's of any value is either burned or squashed in the kingdom of God. And once it's gone through that process, then the useful things can be extracted from that and used for exalting God's kingdom. But he wants to lead us to the place of baptism of the Holy Spirit. Here we get the Holy Spirit. Here we get the indwelling Spirit. Holy Spirit comes to live with us. The Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ dwelling in us. But here we get overflowing fountain deep within to where rivers now of living water begin to flow out of my mouth. And I can share the gospel of Jesus Christ with others under the anointing of the Most High because He's given me spiritual gifts to accomplish His plans and His purposes and to lead all people to this direction of the promised land, where he, a place where He can provide for us. Getting anything out of this? Listen, this is where God wants us. Here's the deal. I mean, John Hagee, I love to listen to John Hagee. It's over here in the world where we understand that we need a Savior and we understand the Bible and He starts to promise great things. Right? It's over here is where all that happens. But somewhere along the way comes the problem. And then over here on the other side of the Jordan is provision. Promise, problem, provision. It's not just handed to you on a silver platter. The just shall live by faith. You will begin, you need to begin to speak. I don't care if it looks like you're you don't know where your next meal is. You need to be, because that means you're right here if you've already confessed Jesus. You may be over here. But if you're already confessing to know Jesus and you've read some Bible, you ought to have enough sense to understand. If you don't know where your next meal is coming from, you're saying, Lord, I thank you that you're my provider. And I don't have to worry about where my next meal is coming from. That's faith. You know what isn't faith? When your eyes see and your brain is worried about where's my next meal coming from, and you start complaining about it. Your plot to go steal something. You, you don't know what you're going to do. I don't know how I'm always, it just seems like I'm always a day late and a dollar short. Well, guess what? You just lengthened your stay in the wilderness. But faith doesn't care what it looks like. Faith says, I thank you, Lord, you're my provider. And just like the children... Uh, the, the Hebrew children, 
when Nebuchadnezzar commanded them to everyone in the place to worship them. Remember that? He said, when the music starts playing, everybody bow down and worship this statue. And, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he said, no, we're not going to do that. And when the music started playing, they didn't do it. People saw them, turned them in. Nebuchadnezzar was so mad, he had the guys turn up the furnace seven times hotter. So hot that when his people opened the doors to throw them in, they burned up. This was a hot fire. And then they ended up throwing them in. Because they told Nebuchadnezzar, we will not bow down to your image. Our God will deliver us. But what else did they say? Even if he doesn't. (laughs) Still ain't going to worship your image. Don't care what it looks like. I don't care. I'm not fearful. You know, that's another thing about leaving here. This place of bondage, this place of fear. You, You no longer have a fear of death. If you're over here, you don't fear death. Death to me is just a doorway right into my home. I don't fear anything because I know somebody's taking care of me. And if I'm experiencing difficulty, it's because he's allowing it and he has a reason for it. He's got a plan and a purpose for that test or that trial. And if I got enough sense to understand I'm being tested and trialed and I'm praying through that, Lord, show me what it is I'm supposed to learn about this. He'll show you. But the problem is we get over here and we start complaining. We don't understand we're in a trial or whatever it is, and we end up staying in this place. And remember when we're going to end with this. When the, the, the children of Israel had come out of this place and they went through the Red Sea, they spent all this time, 40 years, roaming in this desolate place of being constantly tested. And finally, God, they made God so mad, he said, you're not going to enter into the promised land. Because they said, did you just, Lord, did you just lead us out here to die? Is that why you let us out here? We had it better trying to make bricks with no straw. And he said, As you have spoken in my hearing, so shall it be for you. What did they say? Did you bring us out here in the wilderness to die? No, but you just spoke your own judgment. You just condemned yourself with this. You cursed yourself for the last time. Look, I'm not saying we, we, we all say wrong things sometimes, and God's very forgiving. But this has been 40 years of these people doing this stuff. And so now he said, you're not going to enter, but your children, the little ones who were too young to understand what was going on, they're going to grow up, and they'll enter. So once all those people died, and in the book of Deuteronomy, which means second law giving, then, then Moses gave the law to that second generation that had now grown up. And he, he's explaining this to them, basically. This is what he's explaining to them. And, and uh, he says, we're going to go into this place. Even Moses himself wasn't allowed to go there. Because Moses, remember, when God told him, uh, when you get to this place, speak to the rock. The first time he told him to strike the rock, and water came from the rock. Then the next time they got to a place that didn't have water, God said, speak to the rock and I'll bring water out of it. But the people complained and made Moses so mad 
that he didn't speak to the rock. He struck it again. I don't understand you people. And, and God was nice enough to let the water go ahead and come out. But he said, Moses, because you did that, you're not going to get to lead the people in the promised land. Joshua, your servant, will. But so they get to this place now. Moses is dead. And Joshua comes up as the leader of the people. And he says, we're going to go over here to the other side. And they scout the land. They scout out the place. And what do they see over here? Giants. I just got out of the place of tests and trials. Really, God? And so the spies get over here. Bev, have you got that scripture? This was supposed to be our, our, our theme scripture. <laughs> we got to read it. Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, past tense, not going to when you get to heaven. He has, what? Blessed us. This is the blessing. With just a few blessings. Miracles aren't for today. Not healing, but some other spirit. No. He says every spiritual blessing. Everything Jesus has to offer, I bestow it upon you. Peter put it this way. That God has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Anything that pertains to life, it's yours. Now, does healing pertain to life when you're sick? Yes, because healing unattended leads to death. So, that's the whole premise of this. And Joshua's leading them over here, and he sends out 12 spies, one from each of the 12 tribes, right? And they go spy this land, and they see these giants. And they come back to report to Joshua, and 10 of the spies said, We can't take that land. There's giants over there. They had these huge clusters of fruit and grain, and they said, oh, the blessings are there, just like God promised. The abundant life is there. It's a beautiful country. It it bears the biggest grapes I've ever seen, the most luscious fruit, the luscious ground, the best for farming. It's all there. But there's giants occupying the land, and we look like grasshoppers in our sight, and so we did in their sight. We looked like little grasshoppers. And, and Joshua and Caleb said, no, don't say that. You're, you're, you're acting like we're back over here. You're acting like our forefathers did, our fathers did. You're testing God. You're complaining against God. God promised it, and it may look bad right now, but God made this promise. And what does faith do? It does what Joshua and Caleb did. It says we can take the land. They'll be our lunch. They'll be our bread. Because God's going to go before us. He told them way back here. He said, I'll go before you and I'll drive them out. That's what he said. And he's been, he told their parents that and they didn't believe it. And now the children go over there and they don't believe it. Except Joshua and Caleb. And that's when he said, as you've spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. And they all perished in the wilderness. All of them, they believed in God, but they died on this side of Jordan, never experiencing the abundant life. Church, let's don't do that. Let's don't. 
don't be that guy. <laughs> Let, let's be the Joshua and the Caleb. Let's believe what God promised us. And if you don't know what God promised, get your nose in the Bible and start reading it and believing every promise in there because it belongs to us. But you're not going to get it by looking at it and physically trying to obtain it. You get it through prayerful study, prayerful intercessory prayer, prayerful prayer for you, your family, studying of the Word of God, growing up spiritually, growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And as we do that, and we go and we pass these tests, we pass these trials, we move from just enough to abundant revelation and abundant blessings in anything we may need. Hallelujah. Well, I hope you guys got something out of that tonight. Father, we just love you tonight. We thank you for your abundant blessings, Lord. I pray that everyone that came here tonight, Lord, we know things don't happen by accident. You don't randomly do things, Lord, that you have foreordained this evening. And so, Father, I just pray that you burn this lesson into our minds. Let each and every one of us take this home. Let us chew on it and meditate on it. And let us begin to live a life of faith where we can believe and see how good you really are, that you're a good, good father, and that we love you so much. And if we would just open up to you and humble ourselves before you and believe what you say, you will provide these wonderful things for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you guys. Go be salt, be light.